This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Tide Chasers Podcast. Now, before we get into introducing our guests, I'd like to introduce you, my co-host, as always, Mr. Dan Mancari. How you doing, bud? Doing great, man. Looking forward to this episode because this is something I want to get into myself. So uh, let's do it, baby. All right. How you doing? Now, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just, you know, the season's just getting underway. You know what I mean? Besides that, I want I just want to get out and fish, but the weather ain't cooperating too much with us lately. So Yeah, man. All right. Now, now, once again, if this is your first time listening, please make sure you like, subscribe, share, leave us a feedback on your favorite podcast platforms. Now, also catch us on upcoming guests on our social media platforms, as in with Facebook, Tide Chasers Podcast, or at Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers. Now, today our guests will be discussing a little less known fishery. Not too many people know about it. Now, it is the New Jersey Black Drum. Now, we all know that everyone targets these species in the Delaware Bay when the season's right. But Here's the catch. My special guest targets them in the backwaters before the bite in the Delaware Bay even picks up. So his secrets are for the early season black drum. Now, not too many people target them because not many people know that they're they're already here. He's been doing this for quite a while, and he's pretty much had them dialed in. So once again, I'd love to introduce to you guys my longtime fishing buddy, Johnny Boy. How you doing, man? I'm pretty well. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this episode. Uh, it's definitely a pleasure. Um, you know, we're gonna, just going to have fun with this, uh, this, this episode and, you know, just rock it. All right, man, we got, we got like a, uh, a celebrity here. I've seen, I've seen you making the rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, this is where the situation where, you know, you don't really see too much of that happening, the fishery happening. So, once you see one good fish, it's going to definitely make rounds. So I, I, I guarantee you that. Or four, five, six, seven good fish. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> even, even that. <laughs> All right, Johnny, we're going to jump right in, brother. How long yep. have you been targeting black drum in New Jersey? All right. So I've been, tar- I would say the first 
year that I targeted these black drum, you know, did my research, actually went out for them. It was back in 2010. So I would say over a decade ago. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I would say the first few seasons weren't really successful. A lot of trial and errors, a lot of mistakes, a lot of not knowing what I'm doing at that time. And I would say the first, I would say the first New Jersey official black drum that I've ever caught was back in 2012. Now, you know, back in the early 2010s, not a lot of social media. So the Facebook thing, the Instagram, the all that stuff wasn't really a big thing. So you didn't, you would have to really like do your research on, you know, what's going on uh, in the season. Um, that fish was about 18 pounds. Caught it in, the, I definitely caught it in the backwaters. Um, and, you know, ever since then, kind of had the grasp of, you know, how to target them, what, what I'm looking for, the tides and everything like that. And, you know, I've kind of like, I integrated to, to all of the things I've learned, I would say, what, the eight years after that, or nine years after that, up until now. So yeah, just a little bit of history. Um, first black drum, 2012, about 18 pounds. You uh, you mentioned uh, what you look for. So without giving away any of your spots, what types of conditions, tides, uh, would you typically consider as an optimal based on your experience and the way you're targeting these fish? Obviously, you're doing it much earlier than most people are. Yeah. So. so this type of fishery, the black drum, the early season, uh, I would say it runs anywhere between the last week of March all the way to the first week of May. That being said, a lot of these waters are still cold. The thing you want to look for is the backwaters, when it will become warmest, the type of the water depth, and you got to look at the tides as well. So in my, in my theory, the best tide, I would say the optimal tide is to fish all of incoming. What is, you know, what is more important with incoming water is that it brings a lot of the water from the ocean into the inlets, into the bays, into the rivers. The black drum, they really like that salt. So the prime time, I would say, Midday incoming tide all the way up to peak high tide. I've never gotten one on outgoing tide. I would say like I've gotten one on high tide slack, but once that tide goes out, I've never gotten one. Um, so that's usually my cue to like, you know, wrap it up or target something else. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now I, you've had, obviously we, we talk almost every day. You've had a pretty crazy year this year. How many fish have you landed so far this year? And, and what's what's been your largest of the year so far? Yeah, uh, so this year, I would say I've, I've gone quite some time. Um, the whole month of April, I was probably going about twice a week. You know, I would say half the times I was actually catching fish, half the times I wasn't catching fish. And I would say this year or this season alone, I've gotten seven black drum. From, wow. the sh from the shores of New Jersey. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had multiple black drums in one night. Um, there was one trip I had two, and there was one trip that I had three black drum in one outing. The biggest fish I've gotten this year was actually my personal best. Not really sure about the pounds, but I, I measured this fish out. It was about 41 inches. Um, I fished in a very, very dreary, dark, cold night. 
um, I would say it was probably one of the coldest April nights that I've I've actually felt. You know, it was like mid thirties out. It felt like mid thirties. It's raining. It's windy. And that night I caught two of them. One was about 25 pounds. The other was 41 inches. And to me, I, if I had to guess the weight on that fish, I'd say anywhere around 35 pounds. This fish, okay. is, it was pretty big, especially for, especially for the early season. Hmm. Well, I got the, te- I got the text that night. He said he <laughs> could, he couldn't lift it out of the water. <laughs> yeah. He lit- yeah. He literally said he couldn't lift it out of the water. My camera died. My, my phone died. So I couldn't take a photo of it. So I'm just like, how do you go fishing without your, your phone not charged? He's like, yeah, it's, he's like, I literally couldn't lift it out of the water. I was like, all right, well, if you yeah. couldn't lift it out of the water, then it's a big fish. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was fighting the one fish. The first fish was two o'clock in the morning, measured 35 inches. I would say around 20, 25 pounds. Took a few pictures with it. I was alone, so it was really hard for me to take pictures of it. <laughs> so it was definitely, it's on my Instagram. Um, just trying to take pictures by yourself is very hard. And I, I, my phone was still on. My phone was still, it had batteries when I hooked my second fish. Now, this fish was a lot bigger just knowing by how much line it has taken. It took close to maybe 25 minutes to actually land that fish. Like you said, Quap, I could not lift it up with one hand. Like I literally had to like drop my rod, use both my hands, put both my hands in its mouth to pull it out. Um, and then I'm, I was trying to take a photo and yeah, my phone died. So it's probably the worst feeling because I, <laughs> I know I caught a fish that big, my personal best, and then I just don't have proof of it. So you just got to like kind of believe me (laughs) yeah it's one of those uh fish tales like it was that big but here's here's my question i i i I always wondered this so we know a lot of guys we've talked to that fish for black drum in the delaware bay it's it's deeper water um they say when they hook to a black drum it's 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 usually a quick couple minute fight maybe two three minutes and then it's like lugging in a big heavy tire now that's that's what i hear from the boat guys now where you're fishing I know where you're fishing, but I'm not giving it up. But, <laughs> but what's the water debt there? Average, like say at say at full full high tide, what's the what's the deepest that you're casting into? Yeah, give and take. Yeah, not a problem. So, I would say the deepest I'm casting in is probably around seven to eight feet at okay. high tide. Depends on the moon. If the moon's bringing in a lot more water, I would say a little bit higher than that. If the moon's not bringing that much water, I would say a little lower. So I would say anywhere brings. Six, seven, eight feet where I'm throwing these fish, the black drum, they're coming in early. They're coming in very shallow because they are spawning. They're they're coming up from the south. These fish, a lot more concentration down in the southern states. So they come up to the cold waters. They come in, they come inside, come into the bays, the rivers, really shallow waters, just to you know, spawn and drop their eggs. Um, I don't know if you guys notice, but if you're fishing like in late summer, I would say August or September. Sometimes you're using these bloodworm fish bites, you're using shrimp on small hooks. Uh, you catch these very small black drums, really juvie black drums. They're like five, Puppies. six, yeah, like yeah puppy, puppy drums, puppy drums, yeah. yeah. Very, very, very small, very juvenile fish. They're like five, six inches. Those are the fish that actually hatch from the spring that pass. So those are the fish that the big girls, they drop their eggs, they hatch. <laughs> Three months later, those are the fish. Like those fish are the future. Once those fish 
in the late summer, you kind of get to that size, they'll move down south and they'll start to grow. That's why when you're, you're fishing the shores of like, what, North Carolinas or Virginia, these black drum aren't as big as the ones you see here. They're not, they're only probably like 15 inches, 16 inches. So those are the fish growing from up here. Okay, here's my thing. Here's my thing. So we know striped bass. They come into the shallow waters, usually at night, because during the day, it's uh, the sun is warming up the mud. So here's my theory. My theory is the reason they're coming into the shallows at night to feed and spawn and all that is I believe they kind of have the same mentality as a striped bass because they want that warmer water. So they come into the shallows after it's been warmed up through the sun all day. Do, do you find that correct? Yeah, definitely. So these fish kind of have the same ideal as a striped bass. They come in the shallows, like you said, and they spawn, they, lay, they drop their eggs in the warmer waters and they, they, they leave. These drum, they migrate. They know exactly where they want to drop their eggs. And once they do that, they leave, they leave the bays, they leave the rivers, they go back through the inlets, back into the ocean and go back down south. Cool. All right. So, well, here's, here's my initial question when I said about the fight in deeper water. Now, from shore, I, I mean, we've, we've never hooked one on my boat uh, yet, hopefully this year. But from shore, how is the fight? Is it Describe the, uh, the actual fight with a black drum. Let's just say average size, the, uh, the 31 or the 41-inch, uh, the one you caught. Like what, yeah. what, what was the initial like, first run? What did it do? And how was like, all of that? Yeah, so any fish over 20 pounds, 25 pounds, these fish will definitely take a very strong first run. Um, when I'm fishing with drum, you know, it's a bait and weight game, you know? So you're basically putting your rod in a rod holder, you're sticking it in there, waiting for a bite. Whenever I get a drum hit, I can tell if it's a drum, I can tell if it's striped bass, um, just the way it knocks down the rod, just the way it runs. So when, when a drum, it's first thing it does when it bites, it, it, it actually like takes one bite. So you'll probably see your you know, rod tip just bounce one time. And then you wait a little bit, about a minute and then all of a sudden the black drum actually swallows the bait and it runs with it but like it just just runs with it non-stop depending on the size it really depends how how much it's going to take so i would say like the big fish the 25 pound fish it probably took maybe a good 50 yards at least maybe 75 yards of line out on its first initial run once it does that it kind of it kind of a little slows up a little bit it kind of gets tired so you'll have a chance. It'll, it'll feel like pulling in tire, but you know it's the fish. It keeps this, it just shakes its head. When you say like the Delaware Bay bite, same thing. One large run, and then it feels like a tire pulling up. That may be correct if you're on a boat, but when you're from shore, these fish, especially where where I'm fishing, the water's colder. There's a lot more oxygen in the water. They they can recover really quick. So they'll take another run after that. They'll take a third run. They'll take a fourth run. So it does take some time. Now, would I say it's a, it's just a flat tire or a dead tire coming in? No, it's not. Especially with these drum early season drums. They're they're very strong. They're they're very capable of you know, if you are locking your drag, they're they're capable of breaking you off. Gotcha. So now two years, three years ago, we had those two years back to back of those pretty uh, you know incredible black drums uh black drum runs and for in recent memory from from what i can remember 
I mean, we, we saw people catching them all up and down like beachfront, just fishing for, for bass, you know, with, with swim shads and all the way up to, to New York. Um, and that seemed to go on all the way into like mid June and, and further. What is the latest in the season that you've caught them in those backwaters that you're targeting them? Yeah. So in the early season, when we're in the backwaters, I would say the latest I've ever caught in a black drum would, would be the first week of May. Um, during with, during April, um, once the water gets warmer, um, these black drum, they tend to go a little bit deeper. Um, the water's getting a lot warmer. You're getting a lot of interference fish as well. You got your crabs starting to come out. You got, you got your, your your little puffer fish or a little kingfish or stuff. They tend to be a little bit of a nuisance. So it, it gets harder and harder as the season goes on. So I would say the latest around the first week of May, this was back, I believe in 2015. The latest was like May 1st or May 2nd that I've gotten one. But gotcha. after that, it's usually they go to deeper waters, they they migrate, they go back out to the ocean, or they hit up probably one of the biggest places, the Delaware Bay. Now, at that point, do you do you call it a season, or do you do you chase them anywhere else? Do you do you try and uh, catch them in other locations? Have you ever tried for them elsewhere? Yeah. So once I'm done uh, with the back back waters, I tend to give it a little bit of time. Um, you know once they're spawning you're not really going to catch anything they're just going to do their thing but i will tend to actually target them on the beachfront um so the beachfront bite is a little bit different i would say in the backwaters a lot of it had to deal with the tide the time of day the night like nighttime early morning dust bite so off the beach is a little bit different um when I target them in, off the beach, it's usually a day bite. It's usually it's usually a you know midday sun out, maybe a little bit of overcast. Um, that's when I tend to catch them on the beachfront. They they don't run as big as the ones in the back. Um, I would say those those beach fish are anywhere between ten pounds to twenty pounds. You get a little lucky, you get like a twenty five pound fish. But I would fish the beaches all the way up. I would say until around Father's Day weekend, which would be the third week of June. And after that, it's pretty much done. I mean, they're going to be here all summer, but it's going to be very rare. You'll see one here and one there. Uh, that's why sometimes you'll see people, they actually catch like big drum while flounder or fluke fishing. They'll catch it on a gulp intended for fluke, or you'll see people catch a big drum when they're going for kingfish. You're using bloodworms on a high-low rig, small hook, and they catch a 15-pound drum. But that's very rare. So I would say anywhere mid mid June would be the cutoff time where I was just stop targeting them. Gotcha. Yeah, I've I've targeted them. I've not. I've never targeted them here. I, actually, I was supposed to be with you the night you got that one fish. So I, I feel responsible for you <laughs> not having your uh, your pictures. <laughs> you can blame that one on this guy here. Sorry about that. Not Sorry not about that. No problem. I got the same text Quad got, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> my fault, my fault. But I've caught them from my kayak down in um, North Carolina and on a boat in uh, Virginia. And um, it, I, I, I've I never caught one bigger than like 26 inches. So those fish are feisty. I mean, I, I thought I had a, sh- a sheep's head on crack on one. You know, those I, I was sitting under uh, under like a gazebo dock and I got wrapped around two poles at the same time. I don't even know how it even happened. I'm like chasing it around one piling and then I'm like, 
okay, I got, I got it out of there. And then, yeah, they're, they're, they're nuts at that, that size uh, when you're fishing light tackle, but I I don't have the experience with these fish like this, like fishing from the beach front and fishing from, uh, you know, the bay, the bay waters and such. Now, what is, so I obviously, when I've caught them, I'm using my sheep's head setup, but what is your typical rod reel tackle setup? Like, what are you, what are you throwing at them? What kind of rod are you using? Are you using a bait runner reel? that sort of thing. Kind of talk about that for us a little bit. Right. Yeah, definitely. So I run a little bit of heavier, um, setup. Um, these fish, they're big. Um, a lot of it has to do with casting distance. So I would definitely use a surf rod. Um, my ideal surf rod would be a 10 foot rod for black drum. Um, for me, I use a 10 foot mojo surf rated one to four, but I mean, that's just the rating. i I've thrown five ounce, thrown six ounce. I've thrown eight ounce with it. Uh, but you know, I've used that rod. That's definitely like my go-to, you know, bait and weight type of, um, uh, rod setup. Now the reel I use a little bit, a little bit beefy. Um, you don't really have to, you know, take my recommendation, but, uh, I use a pen torque five spinning. It's a little bit on a heavier side, pricey, real pricey reel as well. But the reason why I have a beefier rod and reel, especially the reel, is that you want that cranking power. When you're casting out, you're casting out really far. You're bombing casts. If you're having like these crabs or little fish or like nuisance fish, they, they tend to pick off your bait. You want to kind of have like a strong reel so you can reel in real fast. You don't want to miss the prime time. Like you really want to be able to reel in that four ounce, five ounce, six ounce without the bait as fast as possible. Um, but you don't have to go what I, I have. Um, I would recommend like rod, a cheap rod. I would go with like, like a tsunami airwave, tsunami airwave elite, 10, 10 footer, 11 foot. If you want to, uh, for the reel, I would say it's pen spin, a uh, pen spin fisher, five or six, 5,500, 6,500. And if you want the bait runner option, that is available, but I don't use a bait runner. Uh, I, I've never used a bait runner. So all I did was just put in a sand spike and just loosen my drag a little bit because, you know, these fish are definitely, if you have that thing really tight, you're going to lose that spike and that rod. I guarantee you, if it's a big fish, you're going to lose that rod. Yeah. Fun. I've, I've, I've lost a couple rods, so I'm learning some things here. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, you kind of, you kind of said that you can tell the bite between a striped bass if they're out there or the um the black drum right. is there another fish that you would compare the fight of a black drum to it is very close to a striped bass okay. um, striper or a bass um i would say if i had to put like a 20 pound black drum uh compare that fish is compared to fight of a 20 pound black drum it will probably be very similar to about what a 20 40 a 40 inch a 40 inch striped bass 38 40 inch 42 inch it's very very similar the uh, only difference between the black drum and the striped bass is that the striped bass has a little bit more you know stamina is more it's more willing to take more runs than the black drum black drum takes a few runs it's pretty much like you know coming in towards you but depending on the size, they definitely like, it, it can take a while to pull in because of its weight. If you look at a black drum, very broad, wide body, it, 
when it slaps the tail, it pushes a lot of water. So it's very strong compared to a striped bass. But if I had to compare those two, those would be the two class size. 20-pound black drum would be really similar to a 40-inch striped bass. Okay. Okay, good to know. Now, we're all, all, all of us here, we're into responsible harvest and all that good stuff. Um, you know, but, but everybody eats fish, right? So black drum happens to be my, my middle daughter, Kendall's favorite fish to eat. So I, I've kept a few in the past and, and actually my family really enjoyed them. Obviously there's, there's a lot of different things out there about the table fare of the fish once they get to a certain point. So we want to release those big fish anyway, but in the past, when you when you've kept a, a black drum or, or like a smaller one for the table, whether it be because it was uh, poorly hooked or whatever it may be, or you want to bring one home, what 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 types of ways do you prepare that so you can so we can kind of give some ideas to people how they can prepare their fish? Yeah, certainly. So, out of my whole life, I you know my whole time fishing for black drum, I've I've kept quite a fair number of them. Um, I really do like the taste of the black drum. Now you talked about the size where, you know, it's kind of on the verge of not really worth taking it because it's just too big. Now I would say I am guilty of taking one pretty big one, about 23 pounds, um, you know, to, to eat just because like, you know, it, you know, a lot of meat, uh, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I probably won't take a fish that big home again after eating a, a fish that size. Um, it's very tough. The preparation for that fish is just taxing very long and it's just overall not as good as the smaller eating size. So I stopped keeping fish that big uh, and then thrown releasing them now. Um, but you know, you see a lot of people taking drum of all size. So it, it, it really doesn't, can't really do anything about that. But for me, the best eating size is anywhere between 12 pounds, 14 pounds, 15 pounds. Those are the true puppy drum. Those are actual, actually puppy drum in its class. Um, so I've, I've definitely kept a few fish in that range. And I can tell you it is, it is very good. Um, the best thing I can tell you that I've done with it, I've, I've definitely put it, I tried to blacken them, but I really don't have like the things to do that. So I try, I try my best to kind of like, you know, you know, try to kind of make it my way. Um, try to make it like Cajun style, put on a skillet, press it down on a pan sear both sides and, you know, just serve it on a bit of, um, you know, sides, whether it be like fries or mac and cheese or, or, or mashed potatoes. But the best thing I've, I've gotten out of these black drum was blackened Cajun pan seared. You can fry them, but I, I, I would say just black and Cajun style is probably the best thing that I've eaten. The meat's very sweet. These fish, they don't eat, all they eat is like crabs, clams. So they're not really taking in all that, you know, they're not eating all the, the meat, the fish or anything. They're not building up too much. Um, so the meat's very, very white, very, very sweet. And it's very firm as well. So um, if, you know, you ever ha had black drum, I would say, you know, try a fish, like a smaller size fish, small class size, take it home, try it out. It, it's, it's pretty good. But I mean, if you're not, you're not going to eat fish, you know, I would say, you know, just release them. You're not going to eat them. Just let them, let them grow, let them live out its life. But 
you know, that's for me to say. It's my opinion. I can't really speak for everyone, but uh, but that's what I do. But I, I've thrown, I've released more drum than I've actually kept um, just, you know, because, you know, I had a craving for fish and, you know, yes, I am guilty of t- harvesting them, but it's, <laughs> it's my thing. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that's guilty. I mean, we, we, we all, I mean, we all are, we all, you know, harvest fish responsibly. We're all conservation uh, minded, but guess what? Personally, I, I'm not going to ever buy another piece of fish because I like to put, you know, what I like to know where my fish came from that I'm putting in front of my family. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, responsible harvest. Um, the ones I, 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 the way I see it is these fish are nice, white, flaky fish, obviously. Um, the, the meat is firm. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fall apart. It's not fragile. Um, I, I've prepared it for my family. Uh, I've done fried, which it, it, any fish is good fried. We know that, but, uh, it pan sears well. Um, we've done it on the grill. It, it knocks it out in the park on the grill. I don't think there's really a way that you can, you can cook it. That doesn't, that, that doesn't uh, highlight the, the taste of the fish. My, my family really enjoys it. So I, I agree. It's a, it's a great fish to keep. Um, I don't think the, the fisheries in any kind of trouble. So it's, it's, there's, there's no kind of issues with responsible harvest there. I think they're well-managed um, elsewhere. So when they get to us, they're pretty well-managed here as well. So, I mean, I know, I know the uh, right- also a little bit earlier before we get into the next subject, um, you did talk about what they eat. The, the We did miss it during the tackle setup. Um, let's talk about bait real quick. All right. We, we did miss the bait. So it, that's a very important thing, especially to Johnny. And he'll tell you why. <laughs> he'll tell you why bait's very important. Yeah. Go ahead, Johnny. Let, so, let him describe the describe our bait setup. Yeah, so I kind of got caught up there, so I apologize for leaving that out. So the bait, I'm very keen on the type of bait that I'm looking for, the selection of bait I'm looking for. I won't go if I don't find that right bait. And Kwa, you know, you know re- very well how much I like bait, especially mm-hmm. for going for black drum. So main bait i use is clams now the problem with clams is that fresh clams clams in a the shell they're, they're they're very hard to come by for the past few years and we're not talking about chowder clams now we're not talking about not like the, the chowder clams. Not, not not the clams you can just go out in the supermarket no, and buy not the ones you eat i'm talking about the live surf clams made and they are used only and solely for fishing so these surf clams are very hard. They get dread, you know, the the boats, they go out, they dredge the bottom, they catch, they, they, they catch clams, they harvest them, and they sell to your bait shop. The problem is that there's not enough supply for them every spring. A lot of demand, not a lot of supply. So it's very hard to find fresh live surf clams in the shell. Um, I would say the closest uh, I would go is like if, if a store actually like has life serve clams and they're kind of a little bit old, so they tend to shuck it out. Um, that's fine as well. But the one thing I will never use, and I, I emphasize this a lot, I will never use salted clams for them. The reason why I don't use salted clams, I don't care if it's been salted for a minute. I don't care if it's salted for two days. If you put that thing on salt, it draws all the water out. It draws all the juices. It kind of it kind of shrinks them up. I mean, don't get me wrong, it, fir- it firms them up. Better casting, it stays on a hook, but the problem is it takes out all the good juices. 
like all the good juice from the clam is in the salt. So I never use salt clams, only fresh live serve clams, or if it's fresh shot. Here's a big secret of mine when I'm fishing for um, drum, and you're probably only gonna get it from me. When I look for fresh surf clams, I tend to not take the live ones, the ones that are shut. The reason why, they don't have the odor that I like. Yeah, it, it sounds crazy. So when I ever go into the store, <coughs> ask for um, live surf clams, I always ask, do you have some that just died? The reason why is that once they start to open up, they have this odor that I really like. And I, I will tell you, I swear by that odor. I can't describe that odor, but once they open, I tend to smell them before I look at them. And if they smell good to me, I grab them. And they're probably dead for like one or two days. But I swear by them. I, I, I tell you, I've caught a lot of drum on the ones that stink. <laughs> So, it's, so yeah. that's that's the inside secret, guys. Just make yeah. sure you find surf, surf plants that have body odor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I wish I can. I wish I can joke with you guys, but that is literally the, the thing. The number one thing I'm looking for when I buy bait is that odor. So clams that just died, just opened up, but they're still kind of orange, still tough, still have that uh, that texture when you where you put on a hook and it'll still stay on. Very now, nice. also, now, also the um, the frequency of how often do you change baits? Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to give away all your secrets. But <laughs> at least I just want to help a few anglers that yeah. are interested in targeting. No, that's not a problem. So the frequency, <coughs> I would, barring any type of interference fish, any of those little little puffer fish or little perch or little kingfish or stuff like that or crabs. I would ch I would definitely change my bait every 15 to 20 minutes. Um, the reason why is that a lot of the salt really kind of breaks down the, the clam, especially even if it's fresh uh, in the water. So 15, 20 minutes, I'll reel in. If I still have clams on there, I would tend to just, I would just change the bait, throw another piece on. Uh, really depends on the size of the clam. I don't tend to use the full whole live clam. I tend to cut them in half and use half a clam. And then I'll cast out 15, 20 minutes later, I'll pull it in. If there's still bait on there, I'll tend to, you know, put another half on it just to freshen it up. Still use this old one just to make sure it's like, it got at least some freshness into the water. Now you tie in your own rigs? Yes. So um, the rig I use, um, I know a lot of people are, keen on fish finder rigs i used to use fish finder rigs for them but i've noticed uh, a few flaws with the with the fish finder one is casting distance um two is whenever you're pulling in your bait it tends to twirl a lot a lot of tangles it tangles up to the main line so i stopped i stopped using those uh fish finders so now i use a 10 use a, a dropper loop rig so what this is is a 10 to make a, a dropper on 50 pound mono or fluoro. Um, that's all I ever use when I um, use a dropper loop rig. Um, I'll tie a dropper loop, put on an ADOT, octopus circle, gamagatsu or owner. And about, I would say anywhere between 18 to 24 inches below that dropper loop, I'll add the weight. So you'll have the weight, you'll have about two feet of line and then your dropper loop 
and then it's hooked to the main line. The reason why I keep it a little bit high is because I want that bait a little bit suspended above the, the bottom. Um, it's more of my thing. Like I tend to see a lot of the fish a little bit suspended off the bottom. They're not really tight to the bottom. So if you keep it dangling just off the bottom, they'll, they'll tend to be more, I wouldn't say enticed by it, but they'll, they'll have a good chance you know, looking at it, if it, if it likes, if the drum likes what it sees, it's going to, it's going to eat it. Um, the one thing I forgot to mention that whenever I use a clam, I use clam tie, um, just so that I keep the guts, like that guts of the clam is the number one thing that I do not want flying off my hook. Um, if that thing flies off, you're better off fishing with nothing. Um, I really want that gut, um, the guts, the nastiness. They like that nastiness. That's that's the, the smell that's protruding into the to the water. The scent it makes the scent trail. So when I keep it suspended, all that scent trail is everywhere. It gets distributed everywhere, and not only on the bottom. Well, and and, and so you're tying that off to a barrel swivel to that's going to be tied to your main line. What pound test is your main line? Is it braid, mono? Yeah. So I. Definitely tie it to a, a barrel swivel, just you know, extra protection on any line twist. Um, and that goes into my main line. It's braid. I use 30 pound braid just for castability, trying to get that max distance. You could use 40, you could use 50, but I don't see any, I don't really see the need for anything over 30, especially from shore. Um, you can, you can kind of play around with the fish, you don't really have to. You don't really have to hoist these fish in. Um, you don't really have to <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I would say, fight these fish. You know, you want to let you want to play with them. You want to kind of let it do its thing before you reel before you fight them in, reel them in, and land them. So thirty pound main, I use I use spider wire stealth braid or Invisibraid. Um, spider wire is definitely my go to uh, braid. I, I know. Everyone has different types of braids to use, so your preference. Um, but that's definitely all of the things that like I I have used, and it has been successful for me. You've put together like a pretty impressive season with bycatch too, right? You've had a, a nice number of uh, solid bass that you've caught with that same setup, right? Correct. So um, it's kind of very odd um, when you say your bycatch is striped bass. <laughs> people are looking at you it's like why is it a why is it a bycatch to you I was like, well when i'm fishing the areas there is a good number of striped bass around um there was one night i actually caught like 20 striped bass 20 <laughs> bass before i actually caught a drum and they were all pretty they're all like nice size they were like 23 24 inch. they're not keepers though but um they were enough to bend the rod 23 24 all the way up to 27 and a half I did catch one fish, the biggest fish that I've gotten in striped bass wise this year fishing for them was 31 inches. And that kind of shocked me. Um, don't really see that type of fish that large in an area like that. Usually it's a lot of schoolies. Um, the bigger fish are tend more into the deeper waters. Gotcha. Now I I've heard some stories from some of my buddies that fish like the, the lower Delaware beaches, like uh, broad kill and stuff like that. Like they'll be sitting out there all night and then they'll hear, you know, a school of fish coming through and they hear the drumming and they know it's game time. 
Have you ever witnessed, uh, you know, the, the the drumming sound from the school fish come by as you're, uh, as you're out there fishing? So for me personally, I have not, I don't really hear them, especially even on a very quiet night where I can actually hear myself think I don't hear them. Um, my guess is that they don't really drum, um, when they're spawning. I don't know. I don't know the reason, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, they do tend to drum, um, once you hear them in the area but for me i've never heard them make that noise and it's it's really it's really odd because like um you think about it you hear about the stories of you know oh if do you hear them drumming because you're going for black drum <laughs> but i've never heard them at all um actually i've never heard them at all in in the backwaters never hear them from the beach as well maybe because it's just too too loud the surf yeah. is just beating up the sand uh but I, I i've never heard them and it's 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 just a matter of luck and being there at the right time uh where like one fish comes by and you get a you get a bite and you know the fish takes you from there from my understanding that drumming tends to happen when they're in schools of fish so maybe you're just plucking one one that's passing by here and there as opposed to like a, you're picking out mm -hmm. of school so Right. All right. Qua, you got anything else? Um, no. I'm I'm pretty content with everything he says. I mean, I already knew, knew all this because he's been sharing secrets <laughs> to me for the past six, seven years. So, yeah. you know. But I've never the funny part is I've never gone with him because he fishes the odd weirdest times of the night and I just can't stay awake. It's just <laughs> it's 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 and he's too hard at it. He goes hard, he'll fish like forty eight hours straight to find a single fish. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not an age that I won't even make it that far. I uh, know I'm getting, I'm getting text messages. He's like, uh, the, the, the perch bites off. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fish for drum. Uh, the, I didn't get any drum. I'm going to go back to perch for a little bit and then go back to drum. I'm like, I can't okay. wrap my head around. <laughs> so I, I will, I will tell you, um, this spring I've lost quite a number of fish that I know for a fact, um, were black drum. I don't know the size, but, um, the only reason why, like, I've been kind of hitting it really hard because I've been, you know, kind of chewed out of losing these fish. Um, I know one night I went, I lost a pretty good fish and I actually went the next night and I caught one and it, it really is, it's really hard because like, it's not, it's not a lot, not a lot of these fish. You don't hear a lot of people catching these fish, uh, especially this early in the season. So. When you hook a fish like that and you lose it, you're wondering to yourself, like, man, that was just my chance. That was my chance for tonight. <laughs> and it, it's, it, leaves, it leaves a sour taste. So that's why I keep hitting it really hard. I, I tend to time the tide right. The most optimal time, you know, whether it be in the middle of the night or in the evening or early mornings. So it's just a motivation. It's just a motivation factor. You know, I, I really want to kind of, learn from the mistakes that i've done whether it was my mistake or the fish mistake or something like that so it just keeps getting me you know more motivated to keep trying keep trying and keep trying all right here's a quick tip guys all right just make sure if you, did, if you didn't catch any of his tips and secrets this episode rewind and listen to one more time because he's proven facts that his technique and his style works i remember texting him on one night while i was fishing literally 15 guys next to him. All right. We're talking about 15 guys on this, in this area. 
No one caught a single fish, but him single-handedly caught three fish that night right next to these guys. And these yep. guys were pretty close. I'm telling you, whatever he does or whatever he, he's been doing for this many seasons, it works. Because if you're standing next to 15 guys going for the same species and no one hooks up, but you landed three, it, you're doing something right. Now, now we're not going to name names, but there's a certain one of our fishing buddies out there that Johnny gave him a little intel on what you use, you know, bait wise rigs and stuff like that. He went out the same night along with two other buddies. His two buddies skunked out. He banged two fish that night, but he, here's the, here's the kicker. He didn't tell his other two buddies what rigs to use. They, he let them use what they wanted to use. He used what Johnny told him to use. And he picked up two fish that night. <laughs> I can guarantee you those 15 guys fishing next to Johnny were a lot saltier than the water sitting in front of them. That's for sure. <laughs> I know I would have been. I'm like, damn, what is this guy doing? Johnny, it's a, been an absolute pleasure having you on, brother. You guys can find Johnny at Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore fish cakes on Instagram. Jonathan Bowie on, uh, on Facebook. He's, he's a great follow on Instagram. He's always posting excellent content give him a follow check him out follow him around don't follow him around actually because you won't you won't be able to keep up with this guy he he, he uh he walks in secret circles so i mean I, there's, I, there's, I, a, there's also a reminder he does he does he used to do youtube he's one of the very first yeah. few guys that before this whole youtube thing blew up he's one <laughs> of the, he's one of the first few iconic ogs of youtube so he's he has a channel still up there he hasn't added new new uh content lately it's just it's just been going crazy with youtube so he's he's taking a very long hiatus he may get back into it we never know but check out some of his older videos they're real fun to watch, watch <laughs> on there too. johnny thanks for jo jumping on with us brother no thank you for having me uh i do appreciate the time um you know i definitely enjoyed this um and i i really hope this helps anyone viewing in listening in and tuning in um you know, this, any type of fishing is, you know, it's fun, you know, having the passion to fish, having the idea, ideology to fish is, you know, it, it, it really, it really excites me, you know, then the fact that I can share it with you and Qua, share the waters with you guys, have a good time, you know, that's all it counts, you know, that really all that matters. <laughs> yeah, man, we love you, buddy. Thank you for coming on. No, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Well, if anything, uh, Dan, close us out. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. If you liked what you heard, please like, subscribe, follow us, share our content. Give us those five-star reviews. You can find us at Tide underscore Chasers on Instagram, Tide Chasers Podcast on Facebook. Uh, I am DMancarry18 on Instagram. Qua is That Asian Angler on Instagram. Just, just follow us along. We, we, we're going to be coming up with a lot of excellent content coming forward. We got some giveaways coming up soon. There's going to be a lot of exciting new things coming. Just, just follow along, and we promise you, you're going to like what you see. And here. Well, besides that, once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this evening, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next podcast. Tight lines. to succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest
Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from Hunt Stand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.